0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Kyle Cease, New York Times bestselling author who has a gift of merging comedy with personal transformation. As a comedian, Kyle had two number one Comedy Central specials and was voted as number one ranking on Comedy Central's stand-up showdown. After leaving his job as an award-winning comedian, Kyle dedicated his life to helping others and created Evolving Out Loud, which is a growing community with over 400,000 members worldwide. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I love your stuff, man. I'm really honored to be with you today.
0: Well, I am just as honored as having you here. Kyle, you know, we were just talking before about near-death experiences, and I never thought about this until you mentioned it, that when we make big changes in our lives, we're already kind of going through near-death experiences.
1: Yeah. I I believe that, um, you know, one of the things I teach people is that everything you're not is trying to die all the time. You're, you know, we can see it in obvious things. There's sometimes relationships are trying to fall apart. The story of you with that job might be falling apart. But you can eventually start to do it with what's going on inside, too. You know, the story of you as an unwanted person or as alone all the time or as a person who's unworthy these patterns are patterns that you created and they were created after you were born i believe very much that our parents had egos and the you know from farther back the egos were even stronger right we're we're moving to a time where the consciousness is rising but if you were a kid from a while ago and you had parents who didn't do any inner work Their egos are telling you how life works. So what you have to do is create a false you to protect yourself from getting hit or yelled at or abused or anything else, right? So as we move forward in this time, I believe very much that the light in the world is shining so bright that it's causing us to have to look at patterns that are in our bodies that are not us. And we think they're us. And that's why there's so much struggle you know, we attach an eye to so many things that are trying to die. I'm a warrior, I'm always unworthy, I have a bad money story, I well, now it can't die, because you've attached an eye to it, right? And if it dies, then you die. But if you start to really get that what you are is this infinite unfolding that's so far beyond the body or the story or anything else, you just start to be present for a lot of things that you're not uh, to die. And I'm here, in fact, I think it's weird my last name Cease, but like I really feel like I am a support uh, for everything in my body that isn't me to die. So I have to listen a lot, you know, I go on long hikes, I, I meditate a lot, I just listen, and I find that in my body are these things that show up and they feel painful. Well... What we usually do in the old world is when something feels painful, we numb it, we try to push it back in, we go to a codependent pattern, or we go online and flip through stuff all day out of pain. But to me, that pain is trying to come up because it's trying to come out, it's trying to die. So it's really interesting because I'll have things show up in my body and it'll feel really dark and I'll feel unloved or unseen. And I know that that's a pattern that I developed in the early 80s with my family. And, you know, it's trying to be seen by the real me. The me that's sitting here right now is an unconditional, all loving now. And that's what's available for all of us. And we get caught in thinking I am the pattern, but really you're the one seeing the pattern. And the longer you do that, the more it kind of just comes up and eventually it comes to light and it turns into tears in some cases, and then it leaves. And when it leaves, it leaves permanently. So I've gone through many stages of my life that I feel were not only aspects of my career or aspects of how I look to others, but those external things mirrored aspects of what was inside of me that were trying to die too, right? So at one point I was a stand-up comedian, and you know I was used to just getting love for being on the stage. And at one point um I thought to myself I had a, a really overwhelming fear out of nowhere, and I created a stage fright. And then the stage fright turned into full-blown anxiety while I was a very successful comedian. And I realize this is going to kill what I think I am. And maybe what I think I am, which is I think I am a stand-up comedian, needs to die because maybe I'm more than that. Right. If I think I'm just a stand-up comedian, then anytime my comedy career falls apart, I'm worthless. I'm nothing. So life often is trying to do things to get us to see what we truly, truly are. And it's making us lose our patterns that we've created that protect us from having to look at these things. And we create this kind of false us that's kind of, in my eyes, skiing on top of the ocean of what we truly are. You're water skiing, just staying on the top in the shallow world. And one of the things I think that's amazing about near-death experiences, and it reminds me kind of of ayahuasca because I've listened to many of your podcasts and I, I love them. I think that one of the things that's happening is that there's a purging of things that are buried in our subconscious, right? So one of the things that happens is these things that you no longer can distract from are forced to come to light, right? And I've had it where I saw a really dark thing once. I remember seeing, this is kind of weird to talk about, but I remember in like 2004, seeing a video of a beheading. And it was it was horrifying for me. And for a long time, it was weird to me to walk around. And I just kept seeing people's heads fall off. And it was a really traumatic thing. One day I was on ayahuasca and this is way later. And I thought I had overcome this thing. And I just remember at one point, this dancing thing starts coming up to me and then it takes my head and cuts it off. And then I see my body lying on the floor and it and I are dancing while we're just looking at this body on the floor that just looked like a shirt. It was just clothes and it freed my subconscious horrified fear of beheading being a thing on our planet. And it released my egoic subconscious tie to it. Because it showed me just so you know, you're not the body, the body is like clothes lying on the floor. And I felt this liberation from the body. And, you know, I have many stories like that, right. And so that also was another thing that helped me realize just everything in the world that you know of in the physical realm is temporary. And my friend Glenn Morshauer says it's because this moment right now is so temporary that it's so magical. And bringing in the knowing that my time with my daughter is temporary makes me appreciate her so much more. Knowing that my time on this planet is temporary makes me love it so much more. It's the ego that says this needs to be forever and denies that it's temporary that that makes so much more of our pain and i think that that's trying to be killed all over the planet right now the egoic construct that says you are an unloved being you are not enough you have problems with relationships you have these money issues you are a, a person who was is always making bad choices all of these things are trying to come to light now and if we just get really present or we start meditating and we don't interrupt it these things can die. And on the other side, it's just so much more universe, so much more God, so much more love. And that's why I believe we're on the planet, to to release that old density and that old consciousness and, and trade it in for the real self.
0: A lot of times on the show, we talk about surrendering. Especially people who just before they're in some kind of traumatic accident, they'll surrender to it and say, okay, I guess, you know, I'm going to die and I surrender. And then they have this amazing experience. And to just put it in the terms you're talking about, I feel like we all... Even though we know what we should be doing, we still have a lot of resistance. Yes. Do you have any tips for us on how to surrender to these yes. patterns to take our, you know, take it to the next level?
1: Well, one thing I would offer is start to understand that you don't have resistance, the pattern does. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you start to get that you've created a pattern that is a false you, and the pattern of course is freaking out because you in surrender would be death to the pattern. Mm-hmm. So with every giant higher calling decision, you know, whether it's you stepping into a higher you that forces surrender, the small you that protected you up till this moment needs to get really loud, right? With every giant decision, should I move forward with this thing? Should I let go of this relationship? Whatever that that would require a level of surrender that would take you to a higher portal right? Mm -hmm. So the you that you were right before that moment that actually you're not, but you think you were identified with has to protect itself. So the resistance that shows up is a pattern. And I always know that that expansive calling that takes me to a higher surrender is more the truth of what I am. And I can feel the yeah, but fear-based resistance control has a contracting feeling right? So you going, I'm in surrender, then another you goes, yeah, but what about and it comes up with all the ways that it'll get hurt, or it comes up with what they could say about you, or what could happen or all these different things. The, the, the control is here. But now that you're in a higher frequency of surrender, you can just see the egoic construct that resists. And what it wants to be is seen, and it only wants to be seen by you. And when you move to a higher frequency of surrender, you can see bigger and you can just hear it. So let's say the pattern comes up that is resisting the surrender and says, then I won't be loved. It'll it'll start with things that you think are that, but it's not like it'll be like, then I'll be broke. And if I surrender, then I'll be broke. And then you go, "Okay, what happens if you're broke? It starts to go to deeper patterns. Then my mom will say, I said so. Then my dad said money doesn't grow on trees. And he was right, right? And then it wants to be seen. We think that it wants to be seen by the outside. That's wrong. It wants to be seen by you. So one of the things I teach people that I do one on ones with is whatever the deepest fear that's in the in the resistance. I won't be loved. I wouldn't be worthy. I have them say you're allowed. You're saying to the pattern you you're allowed to be unworthy in my body. You're allowed to feel unloved in my body. The old world of self-help teaches us that when we feel unworthy to do something to prove that we're worthy, go achieve more, go make it happen, whatever. But then that really buries the essence of the problem, which is that you're saying unworthy isn't loved. And we're here to learn unconditional love. And can you love the pattern in your body that feels like it's not enough? And can it just be allowed to be there? Because the now and God and the real essence of what we are loves everything. It loves our darkness too. It's not just about getting to a false light that buries the dark. It's about being a space of love for the pattern that feels unlovable, for the pattern in the body that feels like it's not enough for the pattern in the body that feels abandoned. Like I have people literally say to the pattern, you're allowed to feel abandoned in my body you wouldn't believe what they start to do. They start bawling because the pattern of abandonment goes, my life's job is to not be abandoned. So ironically, it usually finds the type of people that would abandon them so that they can fix them. So you keep getting more of it. So the same pattern keeps coming up. So once the pattern understands that it's seen and allowed, even if it feels unloved, if it feels darkness, if it feels like dying, the pattern, you're just going, you're allowed to die in my body, whatever it is to the pattern, not you. And I believe a reason that a lot of people feel depressed and often suicidal is because they think they are the pattern. But we live in a world where the patterns are trying to die. The true essence of you doesn't want to die, right? But patterns all the time are trying to die. And when you start to realize you're an ongoing, unfolding magical being, and we are here to choose consciously surrender much more than control, right, then everything we're surrendering to will move from being this horrifying thing to a passing thing. And we start to realize we're now someone that moved past that thing we were scared of. And usually I find the world seems to mirror the frequency of surrender that you've created for yourself. So once you finally surrender, you move to your highest you, yeah, but you don't see how you're going to make any money, whatever, more abundance would have to come once you finally heal that egoic construct that was trying to get the money, right, and just start to receive on a higher frequency. And part of that frequency is loving all the unseen patterns that are buried, all the shame, all the guilt, everything. You're allowed to feel guilt in my body. You're allowed to feel shame in my body. This is how we actually change the world versus shaming ourselves into the ground and staying attached to past patterns that we don't like about ourselves. We're here to move into the higher one and watch as the shame and the guilt and everything else just fall out.
0: In doing my research of you, I saw that you made this quote, your ability to live your life is based on how okay you are with death. Can yes. you expand on that?
1: Yes. Well, let's take it with some obvious things. How many people are able to really make money if they have a deep-rooted fear of being broke? Right? Let's take it with that. Like, if your number one drive is don't be broke, first of all, that's the main thing you're staring at. And you're you're not letting that all possibilities in. So the same you that's capping don't be broke is also capping abundance. There's a shield from anything that's past what you know, right? So I find that there seems to be a paradox. In the old self-help world, it was always like, ignore the negative and just focus on the positive. I kind of feel like 2020 was the beginning of a light that was shining so much bigger that it's making us also look and learn to love and accept the negative too, right? So I believe that, for instance, your ability to have an incredible relationship is solely based on how okay you are with being alone. I have a lot of people that say, well, I've been alone a long time and I haven't had a relationship. Yeah, but you've been judging it. You've been mad about it and you've been thinking that a relationship is better than alone for those people. Right. So if you can finally get to a place where you're completely okay with yourself and not needy of a relationship, You'll be shocked at the frequency of who you bring into your life because they're going to be the same. And you could see through other people who are instantly codependent on you or have bad agendas for you or anything like that. Your connection to yourself would bring an obvious I can see this person is out of alignment for me and it wouldn't even come into your field or it'd be an instant no. If you're in a place of, I need a relationship, I'm nothing without one, you'd find someone else who also needs a relationship. Now you have two codependent people that are burying your inner child and you're unseen and they're unseen, or they'd become a taker, which is the match to a people pleaser, right? So you start to realize my acceptance of whatever I'm worried about until it's not something I'm worried about anymore is the access point to me getting the match to that right? That, that's that's way higher. I'm sorry, the polarity to that. So, you know, there's people that you can see in certain areas that are obviously okay with death when they risk their life to, to parachute or hang glide or, you know, rock climb. They're living their life, you know, but it's not just you only live your life by doing, you know, life risky things. You also live your life fully by being okay with you know, if I go for this thing and become what I truly am, maybe there'd be a lot of people that are triggered by that and would judge me, you know, Tina Turner triggered Ike Turner when she left him. Right. Okay. But then we got Tina Turner on the other side. So she had to be OK with the death of that relationship and the, the death of her story as someone who was trapped within this guy that was abusing her world. And let that story die. At that point, she only knew of Ike and Tina Turner and didn't know about what she would become. But then what she became was a million times bigger. So I find the paradox is as you surrender everything that you're scared to let go of, you will discover that on the other side, there is much more light and love. So if you're okay with death, I don't mean aiming for death or risking your life unnecessarily. I mean, if you move to the frequency of what you truly are and realize only the ego is scared of death, the ego's only goal is surviving, right? Your goal is expanding, surrendering, loving, learn, you know, expanding, expressing, freeing, discovering beyond anything you've ever known. You let all of the false you die, you know, that had a plan or had a way or was trying to protect everything you'll be shocked at how much more amazing life is. I was thinking today about how many things in in the spiritual world say the sentence, live the life of your dreams or live the life that you want. This is gonna sound weird, but I'm not a fan of that. Hmm. If, if you got the life that you wanted, it was a life that you could egoically see from years ago, and you just got to have it. And the best thing that happens when you finally get it is you go, this isn't all there is, there's more than this. And I'm much more of a fan of living the life that the universe wants for you or God wants for you. And it takes you into a place that is so much bigger than you could have ever anticipated. If I lived the life of my dreams from my childhood, I wouldn't be here. I'd be a stand-up comic still doing great clubs, probably, and doing big stuff that way. But this is bigger than I could have anticipated. So this is the life beyond my dreams. This is... The life of god's dreams or something and i learned so much more of what i truly am by following the expansion and letting everything i'm not die right
0: i think that also our dreams can be just a pattern that you created from a long time ago and and there's a guy that i listened to he made a mathematical equation for happiness And basically happiness equals perceptions that are greater than your expectations. So really happiness is just based on our expectations and whether they're being met or not.
1: Well, you know, what's funny is I, another, we were saying a quote of mine, a quote of mine that took off that a lot of memes were made of was nobody has ever broken your heart, but they broke your expectations. Mm. And by breaking your expectations, they got you closer to your heart, right? When someone breaks up with someone and the other person is so mad, they're like, they broke my heart. Well, the real reason you're feeling pain now is because you're putting my heart over expectations and making it this thing that they have this power to break that they don't. There was a point where you didn't even know this person, right? <laughs> but but they broke your expectations. So here you were having a good time with the person, and then you created a linear timeline that says they owe me more time. Then they moved on or hooked up with someone else or something and broke your heart. No, they broke your expectations, which is good because your expectations were your avoidance plan to not have to look at your inner child. And once they broke your expectations, they forced you to become present and hear what actually hurts inside. And almost always, it turns out that might be the trigger to what hurts, but wasn't the real root cause of it. It's like, oh, they left just like my dad did. They left just like, you know, what you get know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. they abandoned me just like mom did, whatever. And the trigger is what's hit. And it's not even about that person in almost every case.
0: One of the main messages that you talk about, and I really like a lot, is about living in present time. Yeah. You say it in another way. But sometimes I think it's easy for us to get trapped, at least in the past, Is because everything around us in our physical space is from the past because it was made in the past. Right. And so, do you have any tips to keep our consciousness focused on the present time?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, I think that one thing that really helps is really understanding the real meaning. Like what you, I love what you just said about trapped in the past. And another perspective could be um, you're only the now and there is there is no past, yet reminiscence of the past, you know, energies from the past show up in the body. They show up in order to be alchemized and forgiven or seen or loved, right? So when the past shows up, if we keep resisting it, burying it, doing something addictive or distractive, then it's gonna show up over and over and over. And that's the cause of what usually traps us there. You know, people are really into feeling guilt about an action they made in the past, which I which I completely understand. And obviously, at one level, you need that guilt in order to identify it so you don't make that habit anymore. But as you move up in consciousness, you start to realize you're using guilt or fault or whatever else to avoid the truth of what is right now. To give you an example, I had a client who was a woman who broke up, her and her boyfriend broke up like 10 months before I was working with her. And she kept saying, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. And I felt she was more obsessed with figuring out fault in order to block the actual fact that they're no longer together right? And if she can continually target herself and use fault, there can stay some kind of denial that they broke up, right? And that she's actually not with him anymore. They're not a couple. But if she keeps fault going, then she doesn't have to look at her life where it is now. And one of the purposes of guilt and shame and fault is it can block you From actually just saying what's true right now, whether it's I am single, I'm no longer in that relationship, I am this person, my money situation is this, these things are trying to be seen, and you don't want to see it, yet if you would just accept what is you would lose the fault and the guilt and everything else. And here's the other thing, the stuff that you feel guilty for from the past, if you're in a higher frequency of love, you just make higher choices from a higher place. You releasing your guilt will actually cause you to move into a frequency that makes better decisions, right? You keeping guilt actually keeps you attached to an action you don't like from your past and you shame yourself for it. And then often your only way to get out of it is to do it again right? So we got to free ourselves from our guilt. I mean, definitely don't do those patterns again that you don't like, but your guilt keeps you stuck to it. Shame to it keeps you that you become that I am that person that made that bad action. I am that person that they did that to. I am that thing. And if you start to realize you're all the now, even the past only exists within the now, we can't physically go to your past, right? We can't go visit it, right? All that's trying to happen is the infinite power of the now, which is much more what you are than the small story, right, is trying to alchemize your judgment of the past. It's trying to get you to see, hey, that thing from the past that you keep looking at, still was the best you could do with what you had you can even do that with other people it was still the best they could do with what they had right now don't use that to bury your inner child like sometimes people go my dad did the best he could when he was hitting me but then you don't acknowledge to yourself that you were abused do you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so all of it needs to come to light but it's still true that everyone did the best they could with what they had for us to truly change the world we have to move into the now which is an infinite state of healing, cleansing, forgiveness, everything, and it's trying to start a new world through you right now. And so when we understand there's a past, I really miss that person, whatever else, believe it or not, even though it fully needs to be seen and alchemized, it's not yours. Eventually it will be gone. It's just energy that's coming up because you're moving forward into a light that's so big that it needs to dissolve everything that's not you right? So here we are moving to a higher frequency right now. It's so exciting to me because I'm doing it fast now. And I just noticed that, do you notice that time's a little different now? Do you notice 24 hours ago feels like what used to feel like maybe a month ago? Mm
0: -hmm, Yeah. (laughs)
1: You you know? And that's because our light's getting so big that it's, it's just dissolving things quicker and quicker that are stuck in a stuck timeline and more seems to be able to happen in a very short amount of time, but we're feeling our emotions heavily now, right? Because it used to be this 12 year slow timeline to get over something. And now you're just like, bah! I just feel like depressed. I feel sad. I feel free. I feel amazing. I feel it's like a crazy weather storm. It's just like instant monsoon followed by double rainbow an hour later. Right? Because light, right now, our light's so big that it has to purge these old linear timelines from the third dimension because we're moving to a higher frequency now.
0: I believe the engine of my podcast is about people sharing the human experience. And you were a massively successful man in the comedy world. Yes. What was the catalyst that caused you to make this change?
1: At one point... I went from this is it's weird because this first story isn't the big story that I'm taking you to. But at one point, basically, through changing my thinking, I went from suicidal level anxiety of having a stage fright when I was about to do a Comedy Central special to learning how to change my thinking and moving to a number one Comedy Central special. Right. I started the the, the opening to the transformation world was getting an anxiety. And then learning Tony Robbins and learning how to change my thinking and picturing that I have a number one Comedy Central special, picturing that daily and then having it. This was the entrance from leaving kind of a victim mentality to an achiever mentality. I feel like that's not where I am now, but the achiever mentality was like second grade out of what I think of as four grades, right? So... Michael Beckwith has a great book called Life Visioning, and he talks about to get from the first stage to the second stage, basically a victim stage to an achiever stage, you have to release blame, right? So you let blame die. You know, it still exists sometimes, but you let it die as the as the core thing. Because people in the victim mentality are like, the government's doing it. It's my ex. It's my mom. That's why I'm in my life, right? Everything is because of the outside. Well, you go to a second stage, you start to realize you can change your thinking and make it happen. So you start learning how to achieve big things. So I went from suicidal level anxiety to number one Comedy Central special. I got very, very passionate about teaching other people that they could have the life of their dreams. And for a few years, I became this Tony Robbins in the stand-up comedy world where I was like coaching, aspiring, you can make it. And I kind of forgot, I didn't even think about this. That comics also come from cynicism. Mm -hmm. So in like 2009, I partnered with the comedian Louie Anderson, and we created a thing for aspiring comedians to come and it's called stand up boot camp. We're teaching comics. They can do this thing. That's amazing. And I would hear through the grapevine that different comics that were not in the self help world or interested in any of this were talking crap about me. Kyle went off the deep end. Did he become a Scientologist? I don't understand what happened. He's just a cult leader now. Everyone's a cult leader. When you're doing something positive, you're a cult leader. And there are actually a lot of comics that ended up taking it that became massively successful. And also at the same time, I was just so oblivious to that anyone would have a problem with this because all I knew was I wanted to kill myself at one point, and then I had a number one Comedy Central special, and what I'm offering is amazing and pure. And one day I was with uh, Louis Anderson after an event, and I said, I really want to get over what people think about me. And he said, "Uh, maybe it's your father. He has a (laughs) funny voice. And so I said, I want to get over what people think about me. And then I went to my hotel room, and there was a car that was about to take me to the airport. And I get this, I get this email and says, it said, Hey, you con man, it said, I read this blog that this comedian wrote about you. And I clicked the link and a comedian has written a blog about me. He didn't know what I was doing. He didn't see what it was. He wasn't there. But spelled out how I must be scamming people for money. And honestly, at the time, I wasn't even making money doing it. Ironically, as a stand up comic, when I would go to a college and perform in Maine for like 10 grand, I was doing that for the money. (laughs) Of course, that was paying well. I wouldn't prefer to go perform in Maine, you know? But this thing that I was doing was so pure to me. We're doing two-day events and teaching comics that they can really be amazing and showing them how to find their self and all these different things. And this dude writes this blog that's just spelling out, I must be scamming people for money and then it went viral among the comics this was like 2010 but these comics were sharing it and saying stay away from Kyle he's a con man whatever and i had just said to louie anderson i want to get over what people think about me mm-hmm. and now life did everything perfectly it goes we're going to make him face it because all of a sudden this thing has 100,000 shares and household name comics are sharing it and all of a sudden i'm getting a ton of hate mail that i'm just conning people for <laughs> for even though know, for not money and so for four days, um, I, I I knew enough from my training and self-help to that I'm going to learn something new. And the most I knew what to do was achieve my way out of it. So I told the car that was going to take me to the airport to go without me. Okay. And I stayed in the hotel for four days and I just watched as the patterns in my body wanted to like prove them wrong and achieve my way to another number one special and and that was the highest I knew, right? It was like, I'm going to prove to them they're wrong. And I could just see how to achieve my way out of it. Well, a really miraculous moment happened on something like day three, where I noticed that I was sitting on a bed safe. And my mind is going, we're going to prove it with this. We'll have another number one. What did And I realized my mind is in fight or flight, like it's in an actual war, but I'm safe in a hotel room. And I noticed my thoughts are coming up with solutions to a battle that I'm not in. I'm just sitting on a bed. And that was the moment I noticed my mind was taking off doing all this stuff. And I'm just totally sitting here. And I realized I'm not these thoughts. I'm just, I'm here, fine. And these thoughts are going, we'll do this. And it was in this true, like for the three days before that, it's in this war and fight or flight and everything. And coming up with a solution to the war that it's in that I'm not in and I saw the thoughts just going crazy and then I realized I'm only this dude on the bed and then all of my accomplishments and all of my challenges and all of my past and everything completely collapsed And I remember staring at a wall for hours and just feeling a freedom that I had never felt. It was almost like the entire subconscious of the story of Kyle, all of my achievements, all the reasons that you should like me because of my thing, or all the reasons you should hate me because of my problems, whatever, all collapsed and I was just the now. And that was the beginning of me going from the second stage to a third stage, Michael Beckwith calls, through me, which is the beginning of moving vibrationally. I don't believe that's even where I am now, but I experienced the last 10 years, or probably 2010 to 2020 moving through frequencies of following what feels light and higher and letting go of the things in my vibration that feel heavy, right? So this started in 2010 by me going, I'm going to eat only, and I'm not promoting this now, but I said, I'm only going to eat raw vegan food for 90 days, right? This was much more about me ending a pattern that was addicted to restaurants right i actually associate love to restaurants because i felt that was the main place my dad and mom were present with me and they were always in their head and it was more chaotic in the house so i feel love in restaurants so when i decided i'm gonna go 90 days eating raw vegan i noticed all these patterns coming up of like i need to eat at cheesecake factory when everyone's there Right. And these patterns started acting out and I would just be present for them. And eventually they fell off like it was like they were in withdrawals and in rehab. And when I didn't feed them, they collapsed. And a moment happened that was really big, where 30 days in to eating raw vegan, uh, someone walked by me with a hot dog and all I smelled was chemicals and metal. And I noticed, oh, my God, I can change my taste buds like 30 days ago. That would have tasted good and I wouldn't have noticed it. Now I'm like liberated from it. And I started thinking, what else is something in my life that I'm used to thinking I need to have that feels heavy but isn't? Can I change that habit if I go 30 days without it? So I started at that time saying no dating, no social media, all these different things, right? And this started making my sensor of the the higher frequencies of myself Really, really high. The sensor of what was heavy in my life started getting higher and higher. And on day 45 or so, I remember I was about to go do a comedy club and I didn't want to. I felt this part of me going, ugh, I don't feel like it. And this was the first moment. My dream career is now feeling heavy. Like I've moved to a frequency that the old Kyle's favorite career and what I do to get love and how I make money, everything is now feeling heavy. And I was with a friend of mine in this process named Diego. And I said to him, I'm wondering if I should let go of this thing and this thing. And he said to me, all I know is when you let go of something, the only reason you're stressed is your mind can measure what you will lose. It cannot see what you will gain. Mm -hmm. And I started going, holy crap, that's right. And I I love that. And I started going, okay, if something feels heavy, the mind is trying to let go of something heavy. I can't see what I'll gain. So when we're, we're going through a breakup, we're literally just focused on one person, the loss of one person versus the gain of 8 billion people if you're bisexual and willing to date everyone. So, right, lots of new <laughs> possibilities are trying to form, but you're still in the frequency of what you're losing, right? So I told the comedy club or my agent or someone I'm done doing comedy clubs on the road. And then the next week, I had this bizarre opening where now I'm a guy that's even going to a frequency that's higher than my dream career. I was hearing the inner thoughts and God really clearly. And at one point I heard it go, what if we combine comedy and transformation? And I remember my ego going, no, no one's ever done that, like the way I wanted to do it. And then I heard my soul go, right, no one's ever done it. Like the way you want to do it, no one's ever done it. So it was like, what would happen if we... Combine them. And so this inspired idea came where I asked Diego, who is also a camera camera guy to film me making a video for every college that I had performed stand up for, but make a video for the lecture circuit at the at the school to do a spiritual talk that's comedic. And I remember that week, comedic friends of mine saying, why aren't you going to do a comedy club? Why are you home? You could be making whatever three to five grand headlining a comedy club this weekend. Well, instead, I had this higher calling and we made like 500 videos and a ton of the colleges said yes at a much higher rate. And all of a sudden I'm birthing way more money Mm -hmm. to go do what I want to do, right? Right. Then I had and and then I had an agency that was a huge agency. And they were taking 10% of these gigs, but they weren't a part of me getting the gigs. I could justify keeping that agency. And the reason is because they got me auditions for movies, right? And I have a rule in myself that if I'm a ju- if I'm justifying keeping something, I have to let go of it. Like, I have a five year old daughter. I've never said, Well, she gets good medical, so I'll keep being her father. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't that be weird? Yeah. Right. But we all know what it's like to be like, I hate this job, but I'll get a promotion soon. That person treats me like crap, but they took me to a nice dinner once. So we justify, when we justify, it's our mind explaining to ourselves why we're ignoring our heart. Because the things that are truly your heart's calling, you never have to explain to anybody. Right. You lose that part that needs to apologize or explain or anything when it's truly your heart's calling. So I was justifying keeping that agency and I heard my heart go, let go of them. And they were a huge, like one of the five biggest agencies in the world. And I was like, let go of them. Like I should keep them. And I heard my heart go, listen, show me, trust me. So I called them and I dropped them and they they were like, no one drops us. Why are you dropping us? And I was like, I know it sounds weird. It's a spiritual thing, but I'm dropping you. I didn't feel like giving them 10% of these hundred colleges that were coming in and making a ton of money. And they weren't even in alignment with where I was headed. They were wanting me to stay a stand-up comic anyway. They didn't like this airy fairy shit as they were, you know, and they weren't in alignment with me anymore. So when I let go of them. Um, I felt this. I'm now even more connected to source than an agency that every person thinks you should keep. And then I'm not kidding. Like the next day, I get the most surreal phone call of my life. A group called Gate got together. Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle got together and created an event called Gate. Now, Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle, if they had a baby, I'm what would happen like that. Mm. That is the most combination for Kyle ever. And and they're also the most opposing energies there. I mean, you'd almost say, hey, from a scale of Eckhart Tolle to Jim Carrey, how excited are you that I'm here? <laughs> right. Like they're the most far apart energies. And they created an event and they asked me to speak at it. And now I'm a guy that's eaten raw vegan at this point for like 70 days. I've let go of all these addictive patterns. I've healed the energy inside that's addicted to those addictive patterns. I'm now someone that doesn't have that agency. I'm making way more money doing truly what I truly love. And I walked on stage and I didn't feel less worthy or I'm so lucky. I just felt aligned with Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle. And Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle were in the fourth row. And I walked out and ad-libbed the set where I said, this is really weird because I'm told all the time I'm what would happen if Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle had a baby. I said, I don't know if you're picturing that. Eckhart, you're not because it's a thought and you don't have those. And then I said, some of you guys might think that joke's offensive, but it's in the past. So Eckhart doesn't even know about it. And the place (laughs) went bonkers. And I had this comedic spiritual set that made sense it was a good comedy set but it made sense to uh, the spiritual world so from 2010 to 2020 i toured and did the you know we created evolving out loud we do enormous theaters and 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 what i truly am was a bigger deal than what i did for a living and then what i did for a living formed around what i truly was and all aspects of kyle went on to that stage the musical part the comedic part the transformational part everything And so that was the release from two to three, which was the surrender of the achiever to releasing control and moving based on vibration. And where I feel like we're heading now is a frequency in the last three years. I believe 2020 was the death of our egoic ways of doing things that stopped us from looking at the dark stuff in our body. The shame, the guilt, right? Because if you hear the story of what I just told you of 2010 to 2020, that's me moving higher and higher frequencies, right? And going higher and higher. Well, the dark's still in there, but God's flashlight wasn't bright enough yet for me to have to look at where the shame is, the darkness or anything else. And up until 2020, we all had our circumstances good enough that you could just keep going to a mediocre enough job. You could travel, you could go to restaurants, you could do all these things. And then 2020 started and all of a sudden it goes, instead of trying to go to a higher frequency, I want you to be present for dark stuff. And we're in a major purge right now. And it's purging everything that's not you. Everything that's not you is trying to die. And that light is getting brighter and brighter and you can't high vibration your way out of it. To me, high vibration is now here. Instead of it being high, like winning at Vegas casinos, right? It's here, meaning leave the casino, right? It's not just winning at blackjack over and over. That still has the polarity of you having to face the dark. Instead, be the whole thing and be present and have just as much love for the dark energies, which really are just unseen energies that you've covered up with years of being in a pattern with your childhood stuff and then going into work and keeping yourself from having to look at shame, guilt, everything else, and instead move into the now. And more and more, we're being forced to surrender all of our our dark energies, too. To me, that's even more powerful now than going into the higher frequency, right? Because if you think about it, no matter what you feel politically about what the pandemic was, when we're wearing masks at the store on a spiritual level, Man, we're going inward. That's like a meditation retreat. We're now not interacting or saying hi as much to people. We're staying in our house for two years. We're going inward. I'm not a fan of it politically, but from God's perspective, it's like, I want everyone to go inward. I want everyone to look at themselves. I want everyone to change their pattern. I want everyone to let go of their addiction to family members. You notice how in the last three years, a lot of people lost contact with family members for not doing the same medical procedure you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like people got into arguments about this people lost a lot of connection and contact well on the other side of that is you looking at you like maybe you were using your addiction to your mom's approval to not have to look at yourself so from a spiritual level this time is unbelievable to me you just have to understand that's what's happening because it will continually feel like death if you think you're the pattern but life's trying to clear out All the things that you're addicted to so that you can look in and be present for the patterns of unseenness, unlove, shame, everything else, so that it alchemizes and leaves. And then the world will mirror that. You'll just become such a light on the planet and the world will become a mirror of that light that you're creating.
0: Do we ever become patternless or do we end up creating better patterns?
1: Mm, That's a great question. Because... I guess for me, the idea of becoming, I'm never all or nothing. Like I'm very okay with the idea that in my entire life, there will be more patterns that show up. And it's obviously even a pattern to look at it. It's a pattern to see it, right? But I do think there's a highest you, a truest you that is here alchemizing at least as many patterns that no longer serve you. Sure, patterns can be formed in so many different ways, but if a pattern is truly healthy, and I don't mean healthy like it just makes you a ton of money while you're not looking at yourself. I mean, the pattern of looking at myself and being present for it um, serves a purpose still and still feels like the highest. I don't see it as a pattern is doing it, though. I feel like a pull that seems to be kind of beyond just a program doing it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's how I see it. But I I definitely believe this. As long as we're alive, there's more to do. And I, I think that a lot of people say this sentence, whenever they start to figure out a pattern in their body, they go, why didn't I know this before? Or I can't wait to get over all this and I can't wait to be done. Wouldn't it be weird if you said I can't wait to stop peeing? <laughs> right? Or every time you go pee you're like I peed yesterday. I thought we've already done this, yeah. right? I think that that discovery is just a natural part released through tears is supposed to be as frequent and normal as peeing. But it'd be much harder to pee if you never actually peed and kept saying I keep trying to figure out where the pee came from. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out my grandpa's pee. Like, why do I keep doing this? Or I need to go to a past iced tea regressionist and figure out why I drank that iced tea. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. So we have these patterns that are here to be seen from a higher all that is oneness. And I would imagine, obviously, there'd be some patterns there. I think eventually they'll just be quieter and less true and less destructive and. You know, I'm sure Eckhart Tolle's got a pattern or two in there, but Mm -hmm. I'm probably like, I'll go now
0: over here. (laughs) After asking the question, I kind of feel like really the optimal would be being patternless because living through patterns is actually living in a life where you're not really living with free will. You know, free will Mm -hmm. is an illusion because you're actually being controlled by your patterns.
1: That's really interesting. It's weird because there feels to me like at one level, there's no free will, then there is free will, then there's no free will again, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? Like there's one level where there's no free will, where you don't see any of your patterns. So you're just acting out of a complete denial of your emotional state and you don't know it. (laughs) Then you start to see it and you get that courage state. You know, David Hawkins says courage is 200. And once you hit courage, you leave kind of the small self and move more and more towards an expanded service to others self, right? obviously, there's some type of part of you that shows up and maybe free wills that, right? And says, I'm going to choose this higher thing. Yet I do wonder what caused you that day to choose that higher thing. Like, why that day did you choose it? Why did you not before there? There is an aspect of no free will in that too. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, at one point, you just feel like forgiving someone is that thing that made you choose that beyond you? Right. So did you choose it ever or did it just the circumstances feel right for that to happen? But the more I do this work, the more I I really hear, like, if I don't follow what the higher is and I and I stay in a pattern that I see as a pattern, the suffering is immense. So I'm like, I, I don't have the free will. I do. I could just stay in it in a denial, stay in relationships that don't align for you, stay in these things. But you can't really help how high your awareness is. You can continue to cause it to grow. But as your awareness grows, you can't help what you know. And that's why people with a higher awareness would choose someone that doesn't have that choose something in their life that that someone with a very different awareness would choose. I remember a book one time saying if you gave a child a $100 bill or candy, most choices, most times the kid would choose the candy. But we all know once your awareness grows, the hundred will get you way more candy, right? Mm-hmm. But we know that because we have a higher awareness, right? So as you your awareness grows, you kind of have less and less of the ability to choose the negative patterns because they hurt so loud so quickly because they're not in your alignment with what your awareness is. So that gap between what you're choosing and what you know starts to cause more suffering right so you have to start honoring like you can't help if you're a butterfly and if you're a butterfly you got to let go of caterpillar things now right and that that's out of your free will that you're a butterfly (laughs) right or it's in it if we chose the shit from before when we started you know Mm -hmm. i hope i can say yeah
0: yeah you're good do you think that we're addicted to our patterns especially because of our emotions.
1: Bashar says something that I really love that I want to honor will make sense at a different level than a certain level because it sounds insulting to a certain level but it really is incredible. Bashar says, an addiction is something you do over and over and ag- again because you don't know you're doing it. Once you know you're doing it, it becomes a choice. Hmm. Now I understand that there's there's chemical addictions and all these different things so I'm not Denying people that say, you know, you don't understand alcoholism, you don't understand this thing. But I do feel that there is a frequency that starts to identify, oh, I was addictively trying to get that person to see my side of it. I was addictively watching TV when actually I don't want to. I was addictively drinking, right? At one point. And then you, once you see that pattern was doing it, oh, I'm, and you, and you really investigate it. Oh, I was continually trying to get that person to understand me because I feel unloved under it. Right. Then it becomes a choice. You stop participating in it and you start to have an awareness that the pattern that's doing those addictive things can fall out of my body because I'm not the pattern. Right. So to me, I forget what the question was, but that actually, I think answers. it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. That, that we choose the higher. That's our job: is to keep choosing the higher, or the hearer now, if that becomes the, the higher, and listen. And patterns that would do the addictive things will fall out.
0: You mentioned earlier that you have done ayahuasca. Yes. What are some of the other gains that you got from doing it?
1: Oh my God, many gains. I have so many stories. One that I feel like telling you, is um. There was a girl that was so sweet. And I really, really loved and 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 dated around 2011, 2012. And she and I were like, dear friends, but we didn't align as a couple. And I had a part of me that noticed that once we broke up, It was still a given to us to hang out. It was still a given to us to just keep being together. And even though we were allowed to date other people, I could still see the unspoken thing that in her, if I actually wanted to move on, uh, and like that was the line where it would feel like it was abandoning her. And so for several years, I kind of felt energetically stuck to her. Like it was just, we just hung out. We were not dating. We're not hooking up or anything but we just as a default hung out and i felt it was out of at one point attachment and cling so one day i go to rhythmia and i do ayahuasca and i start to feel nauseous and the energy in my stomach that's nauseous starts to turn into her like she's a fish in my stomach Hmm. right Wow. Then I threw up and I watched her come out of my mouth and then her flap around in the bucket. And I felt me completely saying goodbye to her. And then the ayahuasca floated me over her bed, tucked her in, gave her a hug and said goodbye. And then the next woman I had wanted to ask out, it floated me over her bed and I said hello to her. Came back into my body came out of the thing. And then the next day I texted her, you know, I feel really free. And she said, I have a guy that I want to date. The girl that I let go of, it was almost like when I released her from my body Mm -hmm. and felt, I felt zero abandoning her all of a sudden. I like it literally undid the, The story of I'm abandoning someone because my trauma is I don't want to be abandoned, which is the trauma that's slowly dying in my body in this time, right? Once it broke off energetically and there was no charge to the idea of she and I actually releasing each other, the next day she was. (laughs) And that felt like, and I didn't care. I wasn't, there was no, there was nothing. And I was liberated from it. It felt like. Ayahuasca cut a cord and gave me literally her coming out of my body as a fish and did it for me. And there's many, many, many stories like that.
0: <laughs> I think that's an amazing story. I mean, we have all these unseen energetic connections with each other. And you severing this energetic connection actually made a change in her.
1: Yes. That's what I believe. And and I also think one of the things that keeps us energetically stuck to each other is a lack of investigation of what's under it right so for instance <clears throat> you might think you feel stuck to an ex but you actually feel stuck to your dad or your mom right it's the the pattern that says this person that i'm letting go of that you feel stuck to you if you investigate deeper that's what i do with people on my hot seats on our on our absolutely everything pass everything all we do is look deeper right so if a person is like missing their ex-boyfriend that always abandoned them turns out their dad abandoned them too right and they haven't gone inward and and say to the to the dad and to the energy in the child inside of their body you're allowed to feel abandoned in my body you're allowed to be abandoned this like cuts the core cord that they developed when they were like 5 and then the byproduct is the cords to the people currently often cut off too because it's really a lack of investigation of something deeper that I think causes our patterns to be so stuck to each other.
0: What other supernatural or paranormal experiences have you had in your life?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I guess this one's, I feel like compared to your like this wouldn't be enough worthy of its own podcast. That's okay. But I remember one time my mom told me, um i remember when my grandpa died and my mom told me that um she would hear a knock on her bedroom she would come out of her bedroom and go did you knock on the door Mm. this is right after her dad died Mm. i said no i was like downstairs you know and she was like well i heard this knock on the door and it was right after grandpa died there was constantly a knock on her door and then one time we both heard it i heard it too I remember years later telling someone about that story and there being a freaking knock at the desk that I was sitting at when I told them. And it's weird to made a picture of my grandpa's just walking around knocking on things and that's it. You know, I hope he got to do more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but that was a thing. And I will tell you, my mom died five years ago, six years ago now in 2017, my mom died. And I have had dreams with her that really, really felt different than any dream. It was almost like every dream is just kind of like this little kind of gray, black and white thing. And then there was like my mom coming in in full technicolor and just being there with me. And it was like she entered. I almost felt like my mom entered and actually spoke to me for real through my dreams versus I'm having a dream about my mom. Um. And um, that's happened to me several times.
0: Did she appear at the age that she died, or a, yes. as a younger version?
1: No, at the age that she died. L- yeah, like it was. It was very. I, you know, I I can picture a couple dreams where it was like just kind of mucky, and then it was like there was a camera in the dream. It was like person, person, regular, extra, normal dream. Mom, zoom in. Weird, different energy than the dream that I would wake up from and start crying, Mm. you know, and like that she spoke to me or talked to me or just hugged me, you know, and there was a time where she showed up for several times for maybe a year in the dreams that really felt like it was like, we're leaving regular passing dream world and we're, we're featuring your mom, (laughs) you know? -hmm. And, um, you know, and she would just hug me in dreams and she would love me. I always think about her and start crying, but she, she died six weeks before my daughter was born. And her whole dream was to be a grandma. And she died right before Mm -hmm. I had a kid. And weirdly, she just kind of died. There was, there was a few months of dementia that suddenly showed up, but she still died suddenly. And when we found out we were pregnant, like You know, we didn't think mom will be dead in six months from now, you know, something like that, or seven months from now. And, uh, you know, I had to use when my mom died, my teaching of no one's ever broken your heart, they broke your expectations. And by breaking your expectations, they get you closer to your heart, because I was really expecting for me to be able to share this experience with my mom. Right. But I looked at it from a much higher frequency that after she died, like the next day, I cried and cried and cried my mom out. In fact, I did it on camera. There's a video called mourning my mom, if anyone wants to see it, where I literally pulled out a camera and talked about my mom and just cried. And what I realized was I also cried out the part of me that wants my mom's approval. I mean, some of it's still here, but a big chunk of it, part of me that wants to be have my mom proud of me, a part of me, whatever. And when I cried that out, I think that my daughter got a better father that then the me that's like, mom, do you see me now? Did you see what she did now? Did you see what my daughter did now? Did you see, like, that's more about look at me, right? And because I cried my mom out, I think that I became, and I'm still in that process, but becoming more and more present as a father, more and more here, more and more loving, more and more not please see me world, but I'm seeing me more. And that's made me so much better with my daughter. And recently, we just did an event that all the money went to Operation Underground Railroad, which is stopping child trafficking. Mm. And we raised now with that event and one coming, we're now over a half a million dollars for them. All the money's going to that. It's like the most fulfilling thing ever to me. And my daughter sang on stage with me while I played the piano. You know, I wish my mom could have seen it. But I also think it's right that she didn't, you know, like... Maybe my daughter wouldn't have even sang it if my mom was still here. Maybe I would have been a weaker father, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But life was taking away and letting die my please see me, my codependency, my aren't you proud of me. There's still some here, but it's falling out. And it's every time something that's not you dies, you grow. And so we can look at what we're saying here and go, man, if you're open to letting life pull out what you're not, life will get better and better and better because you will get lighter and freer and more connected to the true essence of what you are, you know? So even in losing my mom in the physical realm, I feel more connected to her than ever on this realm, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. Kyle, due to time, I have to change gears with you but you have a book out that's called The Illusion of Money and you have the movie. Is the movie expanding on the book or is is it an accompaniment actually, to it?
1: They're, they're totally different, which was a mistake I made <laughs> mm. <laughs> because people go, I saw it already and I, I should have called it something else because they're completely different. Um, the book is much more thorough in helping you understand Why chasing money is stopping you from receiving it. And I would put that with everything. Why chasing relationships is stopping you from receiving it. Why chasing careers, all these things. There's an egoic construct to chasing, right? There's an egoic construct to I need to get. It starts from a place of lack. That's why I believe even the life of your dreams, like we were talking about earlier, often comes from a place of lack. It's often, I want to live this way, and then I'll be seen by my mom, or I want to live this way, and then my dad will be wrong, whatever, yeah. or I won't be bullied in school, or whatever. It's an egoic construct that chases money. And and what I mentioned in the book, in chapter one, so funny, I mentioned this on a podcast the other day, too, but just to bring it here for a second. I said, imagine if Michael Jordan at the height of his career got amnesia and forgot who he was. And then here's society say, you got to go make money. So he becomes a manager at an Applebee's and doesn't Mm -hmm. know that he's a basketball player. And all these people are coming up to him like, dude, you should go be a basketball player. And he's like, I hear your airy fairy stuff, but I'm realistic and I got to make money and they're going to make me an assistant manager soon. And they're like, dude, you, I promise you'll make money. If you just be Michael Jordan, the basketball player. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. That's a neat fantasy you have, but I'm making 17 an hour here. And they're just like, dude, you don't understand. Like, I really believe that in us, is an incredible powerful being if we stop blocking it with these egoic constructs of yeah but i got to make money from this protective vibration that what's trying to birth through you is worth so much more and we're here to release this protection mechanism that's really the 5-year-old version of you trying to survive even when you're 50 right mm-hmm. so so when we let go of the have to protection and move to the frequency of what we truly are you'll discover money is not an issue. And I believe that the frequency of what you truly are makes more money than the best target marketing or the best branding or the best whatever, that the real aspect of you is worth billions. And here's the ironic twist. If you're in your heart and you're in the true essence of yourself, you don't need to spend that money on a bunch of addictive things because you when you have a job you don't like and you're out of alignment with yourself, you sometimes you're buying alcohol, you're you know, you're getting extra therapy, you're spending a ton of the money. You need to get a better, shinier car so that you can impress people. This is the the downside of chasing money. Versus chasing your soul. When you chase your soul, the things you want to do happen to be free or make money, right? You yeah. want to you yeah. want to meditate, you want to go camping, you don't want as much stuff, you want to just be, you can be a better space holder for other people, right? So I find as I go up my own vibration ladder, and I chase my soul versus my versus money. Weirdly, money seems to show up effortlessly and I don't need to spend it on as much. So I end up donating a ton of it and putting, you know, putting it towards other things and really enjoying being in this free flow. And that brings out such better content. And my ability to speak comes through clearer and clearer because it's, it's clearing the energy, right? So that's why it's so funny to be like, well, I got to keep this job to pay the bills. I hear you. And in some cases, I really get that's the case. But in most cases, you're missing out on the essence of what you are that would pay the bills more and you'd have less bills.
0: Do you have anything else that you're working on right now that you want people to know about?
1: Yes, sir. I, I would say the thing that I'm most excited about that we have is we have a membership site and it's called the Absolutely Everything Pass. And it really is. It's all of my work almost in the last, I don't know, actually in the last 10 years. And there's all these live Zoom talks that we do too. So the Absolutely Everything Pass is a thing that people come in. There's thousands of members on it right now. I do a live talk on Sunday and a meditation um, I do a thing called hot seat where I bring someone on and we, and people that are watching this, you can come onto the hot seat and I shift them. Right. So I do a one on one in front of everybody. And the people also that benefit just as much are the people that watch it. So there's hundreds of people on for any given hot seat shifting their lives because we all have the same in common issues with just different clothes on them. And then we have a thing called "It's Totally Possible," where you can go into a room with another person and riff all the things that are totally possible about your expansion. And these people change. And then Wednesday night, I do a big Q and A and ship people in that. And then all of our past events and different guest speakers and everything—over a thousand hours of content—is back there. There's stuff for entrepreneur entrepreneurs. There's stuff for relationships. There's stuff for tons of stuff for money and we're doing a thing it's for the public it's been 79 dollars a month but if anyone wants to get it for a year we're making it 299 which is literally a savings of like 645 dollars. so 299 for a year which comes down to be like 24 a month this will pay for itself over and over and over again and my favorite part of it this is going to sound weird but this is something i would want we're now adding events on friday and saturday nights now you might go, that's when I'm really busy or I'm whatever. This is so beneficial because for the people that think they need to go out and go to a bar or whatever, now they have this opportunity to be home with a community, learn something, grow, not spend a dime and wake up going, I'm so happy I did that versus waking up going, why the hell did I do that? Mm-hmm. And so I'm very excited about this thing we're offering and it's it, it, there's ongoing content forever. And, you know, join us. If they want that for $2.99, the passcode is water. It's usually $7.95 for a year, but right now it's
0: $2.99. Kyle, before we finish up, can you give us one last positive message?
1: Yes. Everything is perfect. Everything is working out. When you're under the illusion of a problem, it's a temporary thing. Let it pass, you're the sky, it's a cloud. You're here to learn love on a new level. Just get present, don't distract, and know that on the other side of it, life gets even more magical.
0: Kyle, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest.
1: Thank you, brother. This was a great, it's a great podcast, thanks
0: for having me. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast.